So this week, I've got Drew Moss uh, and Alex Sheets in the studio. Uh, my name is Jim Johnson. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunnybrook, and the three of us are going to be gathered together to talk about what does it mean to deconstruct uh, your faith um, and all the issues that surround that, that swirl around that. It's becoming popular with uh, with kind of rather known evangelicals like Abraham Piper or um, who's another one, Drew? Rhett and Link, yeah, on the YouTube, the, the YouTube gurus. So there's a number of, of, of Christians and individuals that uh, definitely have been known. Joshua Harris is another big name. Um, they really kind of walked away from the faith. Uh, and that has an effect on others. And we're going to be talking about what that looks like and how we can better um, prepare ourselves and help even others kind of guide through the complexity of asking tough questions and trusting God to provide the answers. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Okay, so here's what I want you guys to respond to. Um, what do you think would be the fallout if one of you decided to go public with the fact that I don't think I believe this anymore? What do you think the fallout would be in your ministry? Um, and I don't even mind if you take it a little bit more. Like, this is how it would affect, you know, my family, or this is how it affects some of my closest relationships. Or you could even talk about how it would affect you. So you decide to walk away from the Christian faith. What happens? Hmm. Yeah. Man, I've thought about this. I've thought about this before. Not, not. I've thought about walking away from the faith. Uh, I've thought about this, or if there were, you know, yeah. major sin yep. in my life, yep. or something yep. like that. You know, what that the effects of all of that, and it would, it would feel, I think, in a lot of ways, like just a, um, I don't know, something that would just reverberate out to so many aspects. Uh, you know, because it would, it would obviously affect. My ministry, which is my job, yeah. it would it would affect deeply my relationship with my family, my wife who loves Jesus very much, um, with my immediate family, my mother and father, yeah. brothers. I mean, all yeah. all of my closest friends, the people I work with here, the staff I count as my closest friends. Yeah. Um, and so I would I'd lose all of those things. Um, and I, you know I. I don't know. It's interesting to think how would it affect others. Yeah, would, you know what I mean. And that's would, kind of what I meant more than, yes, more than yes. that. I mean, the first one is clearly part of it, but yes. I was actually thinking like, what do you think the follow would be with others? So it's interesting you even yes. went to, you know, would it is, mess up? Is, would it mess? You know, students yeah. that have come through yeah. our ministry. I think it would. I think it would at least be a gut punch sure. for a whole lot of them. And no. some, you know what I mean? True. I just, you would just be so genuine in my eyes. <laughs> I'd be so appreciative, man. <laughs> just being real. Thank you for being real. I'm, Alec, what, Alec, I'm what kidding. It, what would it be if, uh, if that happened? I, if Drew walked away, uh, I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would question the validity of my own <laughs> salvation. Um, the media thought, uh, that I have, because you know, we all think about that in some way. Is that one psalm? I think it's uh, what it's around seventy-four ish, um, where the psalmist says, "If I had spoken in that way, I would have betrayed your people." Mm-hmm. Um, seventy-three, yeah. It's seventy-three, yeah. And and I just think about that because we all face doubt. We all have hardships in life, and if we if we take if we don't deal with those doubts in a way that is God honoring and just uh, immature, um, I think we would betray we would betray people, um, yeah. and it would it would not only it would take us to dark places. It would we would we would lead people. We would lead people. I've always thought more about like failure for me than abandonment. I've always been far more concerned. I don't know if I've ever thought genuinely about abandonment. 
that I've always worried about failure. Yeah, like, yeah, about, sin, like, you, yeah, you don't feel like you're walking away from the faith yeah. is something that would happen. But yeah, yeah that's, the, so I've never, I've never actually contemplated that. Yeah, but I have contemplated, man, what happens if I have a great sin? But really, we're not talking about the. I mean, I, I know it's a sin to walk away from the faith, but we're really not talking about like Drew having a moral failure or Alec having a moral failure. What we're really talking about is somebody abandoning the faith, walking away from the faith, or the term that we're using today. Um, is deconstructing the mm-hmm. faith, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So, who wants to explain what that actually means? Because you might hear that phrase. I mean, we're probably used to so and so left the faith, but the word that we're using right now is to deconstruct the faith, which I like how it's a little more specific. So, who wants to kind of help us understand what that actually means when they hear that mm-hmm. someone, maybe even a famous uh, leader in the church, um, is has, has walked away from the faith and they have deconstructed their faith? What does yeah. that mean? Well, I'll start be, uh, because when you talk about deconstructing, it's it's easy to talk about like like what doesn't it mean? Um, like what's when you talk about deconstruction, what haven't the deconstructionists tried to do? Um, over the years, they take the Christian faith and they have uh, they have moved away from it in every single direction. You want to talk about morals? You want to talk about uh, theology of like what we think about God? What we think about Jesus? we think about social issues, they have moved in every direction possible. Um, The metaphor used, and and then Drew, you can maybe explain a little bit more on what you've experienced, is uh, like the sweater of faith. Um, Okay. Deconstructionists use, they say, um, once I have started to deconstruct my faith, it's like I, I started pulling on one string, whatever that was for them, the intro for their their main doubts, uh, maybe it was emotional hurt in the past, maybe it was um, a friend, I, I don't know what it was for them. They started pulling on something and it kept unraveling, kept unraveling until eventually they felt like they had nothing left and finally they just had to take the sweater off and okay. had no more faith. Okay, I like the image. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's even helpful to kind of clarify, sometimes I use the word deconversion yep. Uh, yep, that's interchangeably word. with deconstruction, which, which I think... Generally, yep. that's that's a decent. Those those words are somewhat synonymous, and yet a lot of people would say, "No, I'm not deconverting. I'm not stepping away from yep. Christianity. Yep. I'm merely deconstructing the uh, the kind of unhealthy, false yep. evangelical uh, faith that I was given mm-hmm. as a kid. I'm tearing down that because that that you know that building was rotting. It was sure. messed up. It needed sure. so I'm tearing that down so that I can kind of build a new, more yeah. Jesus-loving, yeah. right-oriented faith. You know what I mean? So there's a, there and I, and I was I always think it's good for us to take people um, somewhat at their word. Yeah. Right. I mean to literally say okay, like don't just assume the worst in someone's conversation. And so when I hear that even being described by somebody who's doing that. There's a lot of that that actually sounds healthy, or yes. it sounds like part of the mat- the, the mm-hmm. maturation process yeah. for us as followers, right? Yes, yes, yeah. I think I think that's a to to be able to do some of that is can be a yeah. can be a good thing to be mm-hmm. able to look back. The problem is a lot of times, you know, we were talking about this before. The problem is a lot of times there may be some things that need to be pulled sure. off mm-hmm. of your faith, sure. but what what a lot of people do is instead of methodically pulling off the bad boards. They take a wrecking ball and yes, just kind of knock. They it. take the whole thing yes, down, and, yeah. and the good with the bad goes. Because if this was bad, it just must mean that none of it was good. Yes. You know? So this doesn't come from anywhere. 
So what are some of the major issues? So we're, we're, we're really kind of having this conversation in the context of Sunnybrook Christian Church, mm-hmm. which lives in Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is the home of Oklahoma State University. And the, both of you are working uh, a, a lot with college students, like predominantly with college students. So what are you seeing them talk about or what are you seeing them wrestle with that leans them towards a deconstructing and then potentially a deconverting from Christianity? Yeah. Um, well, Drew, Drew and I, as we were saying, we were talking earlier, and I think we found, uh, we're not experts on this, but uh, from our experience, we found two types of uh, deconstructing Christians. Um, and there was the highly academic, the highly intellectual um, side, and there was the um, highly experiential side. Hmm. Um, the intellectual side is the ones that they, they face like... And they go to college and they face all kinds of challenges. That was that's more of my experiences. Like in the academic classroom. In the challenges. academic classes, okay. you you hear things like evolution. You hear things. You you fate. You go to your first philosophy classroom mm-hmm. and you hear like, oh man, what am I gonna do? There's this thing called the Enlightenment. I've never faced it before. My high school youth group never prepared me, man. <laughs> and you start freaking out. And you you experience this intellectual spiral. And maybe you don't have the maturity to deal with that. Sure. And so you go too far and you start peeling away pieces that don't need to be peeled away. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the intellectual. The experiential is a little bit harder. Uh, Drew, do you have, you have thoughts on that yeah. one? And I would just, I'll go ahead and say, I, I think the intellectual was something, you know, we had 10 years ago, I remember a student yeah. kind of, yeah. A student yep. in the middle of our ministry walked away from the faith very publicly, yep. and it was much more intellectual. Ten years ago, it was right on the heels of like the new atheist movement, yep. Yep. Um, where that was a big deal. Sam kind of Harris, taking, Richard Dawkins, yes, yep. taking shots at the intellectual aspects of our faith, and then, but now it's much more. I'd, I'd venture, I don't know, eighty percent, ninety percent of people who are wrestling with it now are more on this experiential, which kind of goes into a couple different categories. One is um, past church things. They look back on their past and go, I, uh, whether they, it might be called spiritual abuse or, or mm-hmm. unthinking, we were never allowed to, to yeah. challenge or question anything. Um, so there's that kind of thing. There's also a lot of looking around at the culture around me yeah. and going either, A, the things that we're holding to feel so uh, close-minded, feel so, uh, yeah, like bigoted. I mean, obviously, I I would say one of the largest things is LGBTQ issues, and and what do we do with that? And I have a hard time holding to this when everything around me says I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, And then I'll I'll throw kind of one more on there that's kind of another, is a number of people struggling, I would say, in the last four or five years particularly with they don't like the way the evangelical church has responded to a lot of things, yeah. whether that be black lives matter, whether that be how they, how much they've wrapped themselves up in politics and they go, I don't want that. Yeah. And, and so those kinds of experiences have really driven a lot, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I'd like to just, I'd like to just restate, I don't know who's listening. Um, but I think Jim, you said it earlier, like everyone goes through this process yeah. and, it is something that like you go through and you can come out on the other side like stronger and you can come out on the other side um, with a greater awareness of like, okay, what is Christianity and like who is Christ all about? 
but it's when you do that by yourself and it's yeah. when you do that in a, in a way that's like I'm picking and choosing what sure. I'm about, that's when you get to the places that, I don't know, your faith becomes more about you. So here's the general question, and, I, and I'd love for you to kind of talk about it in two ways. So the general question is this. So then how do we prepare people? How do we respond as a, as a church, right? But that actually has, is, is, a, is a bit of a twofold question. How does Jim, the believer, respond? So I'm a sophomore at Oklahoma State University. Like, what should I be doing, mm-hmm. right? I'm the one deconstructing. I'm the one mm-hmm. feeling the, what we would call the headwinds, right? The spiritual headwinds. I'm feeling the cultural pushback. What should I do? And then I'd like for you to actually talk about, like, what should we do? Like, what should we do as church leaders? Like, what should we do as, um, uh, as, as leaders at the table? Like, how, how could we better as, as church leaders? Because I, I think that, um, you know, we're going to do another podcast where I want to talk to uh, two of our, our youth pastors and see if there's any kind of a difference between what happens when you're dealing with students between 18 and, say, 24, 25, and what you're, what you're dealing with with 15 to 18-year-olds. I think there's a, there's a lot of similarities and also a lot of differences. But I'd love to know, um, what does the student do? What, would, what advice would you give them? Hey, this is how you need to do it. And then how would you even speak to other leaders or to other friends of college students, to parents of college students? Hey, this is how you can help your, your son, who is a junior at Oklahoma State University, who seems to be asking some questions or is deeply, deeply moved by the fallout of like an Abraham Piper or a Bart Campolo or a Joshua Harris recently. Jen Hatmaker. Jen Hatmaker, or, yeah. The, the other ones would be, we talk about Rhett and Link. Yeah. To YouTube stars yes. that are kind of like, and that's something that's going to hit. Yeah, you know, yep. a lot more. So that. you can so, pick. Yeah. I don't care which one you start with, but but what what kind of recommendations would you actually give in terms of how to deal with it? You've already said, Alec. Sure. Don't. Um, this is a natural part of the mm-hmm. of, of of maturing. So maybe don't freak out. So mm-hmm. then, what what do they do? So start with the student. What, yeah. what do you recommend? So you know, he, I think something. One of the questions I was going to ask you guys is. Uh, Maybe maybe I'll ask it, and then we can talk a little bit. But <laughs> do you think this is more com- – This is obviously, this has been a big thing. If you're on the Internet at all, if you're on social media, like it's because there's things like hashtag exvangelical and, and, uh, and yeah, hashtag deconstructive faith, deconversion. This has been a really big topic over the last one or two years, mm-hmm. couple of years, you know. So here's my question. Like, do you feel – do you guys think this is happening more than it did in the past? I think it has. I think it's happening more. And I think, but I don't know about like exponentially more. Yeah. Like I don't think we're, I don't think there's necessarily a problem. But as we move to be more uh, in a more post-Christian context, mm-hmm. I think the pressure is increasing. And I think with increased pressure is going to become increased abandonment. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I think that's the case. I also think that much like with other things, if I were, I, I could become, I think a lot, I think, I don't know if there's different amounts of people that are wrestling with this, but I think you can become emboldened when somebody else. Like, I think that if you start expressing the, the doubts that I have and you start in a rather bold way challenging what I believe, I think it would embolden me to, to abandon it. Yeah. So I really think there is a detrimental effect to that. Yeah. So, right, you don't, you talked about this. Like, why is it such a calamity? Why is it such a terrible thing to speak that way about God in the community? And I think one of the ways is, is because there may be others who are having those same wrestling matches who are maybe not mature mm-hmm. and they're going to get caught up. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think it's new. Yeah. I mean, from one, I, I'm too young to answer that, Drew. I mean, I'm just 
now getting on the adult scene and who knows you know <laughs> the adult scene that i'm getting on is not looking too pretty <laughs> so um but i do notice what i have noticed is i have noticed an increasing just i don't know if like jaded is the right word um oh, yeah. not just towards religion it's towards uh things like upper education and it's towards um politics in general you know yeah. it's just the 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 values that were previously viewed as like the um supreme ideals chasing to be chased are becoming less and less uh the people are questioning whether that's the thing to be chased um that is going to cause upheavals as to like what is the main meaning in life to be chased um but yeah i don't i don't know I don't know. I, I know as a church, we are going to have to find a different way to minister. Um, yeah. But I don't know. We, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what seems to be, as I think about it, at first I was going, I don't know if it is, because I, I think back to like, and I feel like probably the same percentage of students that I graduated in youth group from sure. made it sure. as do today. Yep. It just wasn't in dramatic fashion back yep. then. You just kind of drifted as you wanted to sleep with your girlfriend more than you wanted to be at church. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And now yep. it's a little bit more mm -hmm. dramatic. But I, I'll also go back and go, oh, I think there is something too. What I don't think we saw as much was people in their like 30s doing this as mm. much. And mm. in that, you know what I mean? Yep. The retin link and the gin hat maker. But, but all that to you know, all that to go. I think uh, one of the issues is is yes, it's happening a little bit more, but we also live in a world where today, where self expression is really important. Yeah. And so, like, it's almost like the moment I begin to feel some level of doubt or misgivings about something, I owe it to myself to follow that doubt yeah. and misgiving. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not being true to myself. I'm yeah. being disingenuous, and then I owe it to the world for them to know about this. <laughs> yes, you know what yes, I mean? And this yes. is, I'm, this is just others a, might be going through the same thing. Yes. That's, and it's, yeah, that's it's the mentality. not just a deconversion, religious spirit. This is like a, all of us. We feel, you know, because of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we feel like everyone should know what I'm thinking about everything in the moment, you know? And so one of the things that I think I would say first, and we can get into some other stuff, but I'll just start with this is be patient. Yeah. Uh, like don't, because you're feeling something for a little bit, yeah. don't just go. That must be who I am now, and yeah. and jump to. So you're that. talking about you're talking about. I want to put put this yes. in context. You're talking about the student. Yes. Be patient. So you're yes. not talking about the parents. You're not yes. talking about with college ministers. Yes. You're saying st students slow down. Yeah. yeah. One of the things we, Alec was talking about. He watched the Rhett and Link video as they talked yeah. told their story. One of the things Link said is he used to lead worship for campus crusade for christ in a campus ministry and he talks about being up there singing and looking out at everybody and seeing in them that they're experiencing something that he's not happened yeah. that he's not experiencing and what i would say to link in that moment is like yeah join the club man like <laughs> there are all of us have times yeah. Yeah. when yeah. we are not experiencing something yeah. that yeah. others around us are and sometimes that's one day in church and someday that's sometimes that's a few months yeah but that does not mean yep. oh this must not be legit for me and i'm being a hypocrite if i yep. keep coming and singing yep. and i'm not feeling it so i would be be patient again i love what alex said 73 like if i if i had spoken out when i was thinking these yes, things about yes. god i would have betrayed and i would have harmed your people i'm glad i kept my mouth shut until i spent a little bit more yeah, time sure. thinking and praying through and, stuff and you just and you just realize that as you spend more of your time thinking and praying through that, you just get a bigger picture. You get God's picture, mm -hmm. and that it's not 
the chaos that you feel in the moment, it becomes like it, it's it's not your world anymore. You get through that crisis. Yeah. Um, just to speak to uh, that, that's a student's perspective. Uh, to come back to Jim's uh, question of what the uh, maybe the parent or the mentor might do, um, speaking as a student who uh, is just coming out of my college years, going through that crisis mode, um, I remember two different uh, moments. And once again, I was more on the intellectual side of uh, facing the deconstruction crisis. Um, I remember coming home from crisis and uh, from uh, classes, and these might have. Big no, I think I like it. Uh, we are now going to refer to our classes as crises. <laughs> crises, because <laughs> that's literally what they're doing. Well, just just remember, I, I, I am a disciple of Drew, and everything is a everything crisis. Is a crisis. <laughs> but uh, I remember coming home from classes. It's actually pronounced Christmas. <laughs> no, but it's a crisis. Really? Okay, uh, that's a different take on it. I get it. I get it. Okay, go uh, ahead. I just remember coming home from classes, and it could be the smallest thing and I'd just be like it'd be chemistry it'd be chemistry for some reason and for somehow it has something to do with my faith and I'm a, I remember talking to my brother I remember talking to my mom I remember talking to like Drew and like man what does this have to do like all these chemical bonds how does that have to do with God and sometimes the responses were like like um, oh man, like that is, that's a big question. And, and they didn't do what they didn't have patience with me. And, and maybe they got scared because I was asking questions they didn't feel comfortable, uh, or comfortable with. And, and they were worried where I was going to go. Um, and so their fear almost fed my fear. And then sometimes Drew, I remember had a lot of these questions with you. And sometimes the best things you could do is just like, like say, Hey, just chill out, you know? Um, like, the take questions, a take a nap, <laughs> go have, go eat, go take a nap, come back to these questions. Um, uh, sometimes the best thing, uh, sometimes the best things that I've had is like, like the questions you're wrestling with have been wrestled with for 2000s years. You're not special, you know, like, and that just, I found peace in that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I can go and like have I can live, you yeah. know. Yeah, I don't have to figure it out today. Yes, it could. It's it's something. Yeah, I would even argue that that's one of the biggest things to to learn as you're personally going through this. Yeah, is that patience is in that sense is uh, is more than a virtue. Okay, I want to throw two more to students, and then okay. we yep. can start talking yep. about how you should yep. or not just students, but anybody yep. in their thirties yep. yep. dealing sure. with this. Sure. You know, the two two things. Other things I'd say is, and I've said this to students a lot: if you're ever wrestling with faith, spend. Spend more time talking to actual people you trust yeah. than listening to a YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, like they are so um, there's so much stuff posted, so much they have more FaceTime with Rhett and Link than they do with their youth minister, yeah. Yeah. or they do with their minister or their college. You know what I mean? And it's like that becomes kind of almost their reality and their yeah. sort of truth. And I'm like, man, talk with people and talk with people you trust. I'm not saying talk with people who are just gonna shut you down everything you're experiencing no talk with people who will let you honestly wrestle and wrestle with these questions but it's so good to have dialogue rather than just to kind of take in stuff and then just sit with your thoughts exactly um the other thing i think that's important is to remember that just because something is hard doesn't mean it's wrong for you true um that if if it's hard to feel it right now doesn't mean it's wrong for you if it's hard when the world is saying that this is how we should feel about sexuality, and mm-hmm. I feel so backwards in the middle of this world, mm-hmm. it's easy to go, maybe that means I'm backwards, because I just feel 
I don't like how sure. nobody likes this. Sure. And I go, no, just because something is hard doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. Like sometimes hard means you're doing the right thing, that yeah. you're pushing against something that's difficult. And that's that don't give up on something because it's not easy in the moment. And that's a that's a big thing, I think, is that truly dealing that's why I think there is an increase is with these what we're gonna call cultural headwinds, right? These things that are pushing back against us, the 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 cultural uh, understanding of the self or the cultural um, understanding of what genuine looks like or what, what authentic looks like. They can become really the weight that people are trying to get out from underneath of. And, and by the way, I would even say that that can happen in a, in a smaller context. Um, that's what some people are frustrated with. Like their, their, their culture, so to speak, is a church culture that doesn't want to deal with these questions. Like I, I'll admit that. Yeah, that could be a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it is really, really good for, for both of those things. Um, what, so what would you recommend or what are you guys doing in terms of training up your leaders? And, and even some of your leaders are actually, right? Like a lot of your leaders are other college students mm-hmm. who are demonstrating both a, a, an ability and a desire mm-hmm. to kind of help mentor others. But you also got other people within our congregation. What, what, are you, what are you doing to help prepare them specifically for deconstruction towards deconversion? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you what I'm doing early on my kids and I, and (laughs) that's a great place to to start and I'm hoping to do this. I want to do this more and more with our students, but I'm trying to talk to our students about, uh, or I'm trying to talk to my kids a lot. We were just talking last night around the dinner table, going through the little catechesis book that Sunny Brooks put out and Mm -hmm. we're in the section on the Bible, you know, and can we trust the Bible and those things? And I've just been talking to them more recently about, um, how we know what's true Mm. and, and, uh, you know, I'm, we talk about we know what's true because the Bible is the rea- is is the word of God that's been given to us from a perfect God, and so we can trust it. And then I just start to ask them, so what are a lot of other things that people trust instead of that? Hmm. And so I just ask them to start listening. How old are your kids? Because, uh, I mean, some, yeah. might, some might not know, but the majority yeah. of them are going to know, but say yeah. how old your kids are. Uh, so 12, 10, and 8. Okay, right? so I, that, that helps me yeah. really kind of get a sense of the... How early on you're starting with this? Yeah, yeah, and so they, you know, so I'm at, and so they're listing things like they trust. Um, one of them said the world, what the world says about things, and so the world, you know, you know, friends will tell you this, whatever, and and one will say, you know, they trust uh, um, feelings is one we've been talking about a lot, and that's a big one that I want to get to them because that really is. I think in a lot of ways, the big determiner of what reality is for a person right now is how they feel about something. Yeah. If I, it doesn't matter yeah. if I'm a guy, if I feel like a girl, that is reality. If it doesn't matter what I've been told about the scriptures, if something does feels off, you know. And so I've been really working with them to try to go, hey, feelings are a wonderful and good gift. And things that we hear from the world can be okay and good things. Sure. But we don't let those, we don't follow those things. They're, yeah. not our, they're not our leaders. Those are good things to go with us along the journey, but they're not the thing that leads us. The, the word is always what leads us. And so I'm always trying to kind of undermine, not undermine, to, to underscore, underscore the authority yeah, to of underline. God's word yeah, yep, yep, to, yep. For, pe- for, for them. And I think that's something I've been thinking. I need to do a better job of this with our students, yeah. of just not always fighting before we get to the big struggle, sure. just kind of laying the foundation of, hey, remember, we trust God's word, even when it kind of goes against culture, even when it goes against how we feel, those kinds of things. Mackenzie, one, one of my sons, I remember, you know, I've always wrestled with faith. I've, uh, I've been very honest about that, um, probably because in part of the culture I grew up in, but I've always wrestled with it. And Mackenzie would have been second or third grade, and I started asking him why he knows the Bible to be true, and he's like, well, Dad, you know, 
mom said it was. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but what if mom lied to you? He's like, what do you mean, what did mom lie to me? And, well, but dad, the Bible actually says that it's God's word. And I'm like, well, how do you know that that's true? And I just remember like creating a level of panic in him. And I thought, okay, maybe the second grade's not the time to have this conversation, <laughs> which also explains some of the struggles he had later on in life. But it's interesting how I felt the same need. I got to start early. And I would even say maybe for college students to stop and think like, Maybe what I should have gone through with my parents, and you don't need to dog on them. I mean, they they had their own struggles that they had to try to raise you. But maybe some of these conversations we can process better 18 to 22 if mom and dad helped us process 8 to 12. And so it might even be, in that sense, the first time they're dealing with some things because they didn't feel like it was uh, appropriate or or maybe parents just assumed too much um, about kind of where their kids were at. So I really love the fact that when you're talking about starting earlier – as a college student, it's probably even a good idea to stop and go, hey, is this the first time I've actually thought about this? Yeah. Like, why is that? Alec? What I try to do with uh, my students, and once again, like Drew, Drew is definitely on a different side of the issue here, and mine it typically is on the intellectual, is I, I try to show them that our faith is not a house of cards. Like, if, you, if one thing gets shaken because it gets shaken all the time in the classes and the, and the friendships and the conversations they're in. The thing doesn't collapse. You start pulling on a thread, the thread will eventually come out. You yeah. know, it's, it's not, you're not going to end with a threadbare you yeah. know, thing. It's not a house of cards. Um, and so basically what I'll do is I'll, um, I know it's weird to say this, I'll engage in, I guess, controlled deconstruction. Um, and what I mean by that is I'll, I'll talk through the issue with them. Um, if I, if I find someone who is like just talking through classes and they they start talking about faith and here's the things that their professor was talking about and they start getting really afraid and and here's how they don't know how to respond it's like hey let's let's just engage and like hey you don't have to have this fear filled response yeah, you don't have to yeah, put the walls yeah. up and then we I can show them that there is there is freedom in their epistemology and in their belief and their just because their understanding of Christianity might not have the the bandwidth to put in a new truth that they're hearing in class. Maybe it is truth, maybe it's not. Um, but that doesn't mean that the whole thing collapses. That's what I try and engage with. Yeah, so uh, there's a, there's greater weight to what we have. And that's what you've even mentioned a couple of times in this conversation, Alec. Um, this is something that's been happening for 2,000 years. Like That, mm-hmm. that kind of helps us understand, not that it's just not new, but then obviously it's got some stability to it. Mm-hmm. And so these really aren't any... Uh, you know, no, nobody came up with something that nobody else has actually thought of before. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that also gives me a tremendous, a tremendous amount of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on the parental or leadership side that you think, um, and, and let, me, let, me, let me get specific about that. What do you think we could do as a church to create a culture that without celebrating deconstruction and deconversion, obviously, mm-hmm. but that is, you know, with, without... How do we create a, a context in which those conversations really can be had in a in a very healthy, responsive? And then when I say that, I, I I strongly believe it still needs to be governed by biblical truth, right? So it's we're not we're not abandoning who we are to engage in these conversations. So any any ideas or thoughts about what that could actually look like? How we could create a culture where um, we don't just make fun of Abraham Piper, sure. um, or we're not just only sympathetic to him yeah. um, in a in a kind of in a in a way where we give in to yeah. to what he's doing. So we're able to speak truth to his life, but we're able to speak truth to his life in a way that upholds what we 
what the bigger picture challenges him to think. Okay, so any thoughts on that? I'll go first, and this is going to be pretty generic, but there is, I, I would say, this is very generic, um, as much as we can use our own stories uh, to help people understand their own. Um, so if, let's assume that people in our audience is struggling with some some area in the faith, and we want to engage in that in that topic in, in whatever way, once again, generic, um, we uh, use our story to tell them like, hey, this is how Alec has deeply wrestled with that part of the story. And here's how sometimes I, I, I came out on the other side. Here's how I wrestled with it. Maybe, um, maybe I'm not all the way through it. Um, but here's how like just showing people that like the struggle they had is, is real um, and that God is working with them in the struggle. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what people need to hear that just because they're feeling the pressure and they're feeling the chaos um, and they just kind of assume that the felt pressure means that God's not with them or maybe that they feel like they're doing it alone and so they're going to go off on their own and just like stagnate in themselves. Say like, actually, no, you're not that special. A lot of other people are dealing with this too. Here's one example, and here's one example, a God-honoring example, how he came through the other side and dealt with it in a mature way. It's good. Uh, I also think like being able to, uh, the more that we can point out the difference in scriptures between what things are black and white and yes. emphasized and the fact that there are some things that are gray yeah. Yeah. that we yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, what happens, I think, sometimes is in in a church where everything is stark and black and white, including things that are truthfully not settled amongst Christians. Sure. Some people are debating methods of worship yep. um, or... or um, uh, you know, even this could, this could get people frustrated, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like origins of the earth, like yeah, young yeah, earth, yeah, old yeah, earth, yeah, you know, yeah, all these yeah. things. And, and we draw a hard line and be like, this is what you have to believe. And when we make everything stark black and yeah, white, yeah. Um, then, then when, when someone starts to see maybe that wasn't black and white, that was gray, then it's mm -hmm. easy to start going, wait, what else isn't mm -hmm. black and white? And they start questioning things that yeah. they shouldn't. Yeah. We should hold to the black and white of Jesus as the Son of God, yeah. and he rose from the grave. I think we should hold to the black and white of the biblical sexual ethic yeah. and all these other things. But, like, um, but where there are things that are a little bit gray, and I don't know perfectly, I should be able to be honest and go, I don't know perfectly. Yeah. And and we're still, there There are good, solid Christians who believe this, and there are good, solid Christians who believe this, and I'm still studying this and learning. Yeah. Yep. And to be able to present to people, to young people, to old people, the grays, yeah. so that when they encounter their first gray, it doesn't cause them to question yeah. everything. everything. Yeah. You, know you literally go colorblind yes. at that moment, <laughs> yes. right? They, but they literally, they lose yeah. all distinction or all differentiation. Yes. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, we talked about really briefly before we, before we kind of sat down and the cameras were started and the microphones were on and all that stuff was the idea that maybe this isn't just a matter of uh, teaching right doctrine and making sure that everybody understands right doctrine, but it's actually like teaching uh, like an inner fortitude to deal with cultural push, to deal with cultural pressure, to deal with people who don't agree with you. Um, any thoughts? I mean, I didn't give you like three days to, to think about this, but any, any thoughts about how you think we can do a better job helping, um, 
and I'll just say people, right? I'll, I'll, so I'll throw this open. I know that we've kind of tried to stay in the in the college context, but is there any way how we could just help individuals um, to learn resilience, to learn grit, like spiritual grit? Um, uh, so your your thoughts on that? It's funny. Hey, before we were talking about this, Alec and I were talking about what would be good passages of scripture, and we kind of got oh, it. We a little bit of kind of like even debated: is this even helpful and stuff? <laughs> but now that now that you're saying this, I'm more convinced that this may be. You know, but you know, one of the things that the the Bible does a lot, the New Testament writers, is when churches are facing pushback, and when the early church in Philippi or in yeah. in Thess- Thessalonica or in Corinth, wherever, is facing pushback. One of the things that the writers do, Paul does this, Peter does this, I think James does this, I know the writer of Hebrews does, is they point them back to Jesus yeah. and go, A, recognize who he is, but B, you recognize how he went through this too. Yeah. And so look to the, the passage we were talking about was Hebrews 12, you know, <laughs> one through two, and this idea yeah. of to run the race with endurance and then fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so keep that in front of him. But a couple of verses later, he goes, he, he talks about how he endured suffering from other people. He yeah. endured the pressure of the culture and the people around him and yet pushed through. And so I think it is good to remind us, hey, this is something yeah. that we have to be Christian has been countercultural and has put a weight and pressure on us. From the beginning, yeah. from the moment Jesus started teaching all the way till now. And so be ready to walk through that and yeah. know that it's okay to walk through it. It's not something bad's not happening when you are. That's This is what it is to be Christian sometimes. That sounds know? like First Peter 4, right? Yes. Like when you look at the suffering that is happening to you, do not think that it is strange. Yeah. Like that's that's a really good text. I'm actually using that a little bit in the in the message this Sunday because I think it fits really, really well in with what Jesus says in Matthew 16, Mark 8, and Luke 9. Um, that anybody who wants to follow me in the process of following me needs to take up their cross, deny themselves daily, Luke adds, um, and follow me. And so there, that obviously, if you're going to be taking up your cross, means that you're going to be the object of scorn, shame, and opposition. And I really think that that's, that that's what always makes it hard for me, is I don't want to not be... It's not just liked. When I hear that, I'm just... I'm not, I'm not in junior high. Yeah. Like I'm not, it's not that, but it is kind of still that. <laughs> Yes. Right there, there it, it smells like that, right? It, yeah. it literally, it, lo- it looks kind of like that. It's a synonym to that, um, and so I do like the idea of just making sure that we say to people, you know, you need to, you need to go back to Jesus. One last thing I'm going to say, and I'll make a statement, and if, if there's anything else you guys want to add, I really think this goes back to what our conversations about conversion really look like. Um, I really think that uh, what we're actually finding from a lot of people, and I'm not saying all of them, but this is where you might want to say I go on the Calvinist side. I think a lot of people who abandoned the faith, I don't know what they really left. I really don't know what they really left. Um, and, and what I mean by that, I'm not even trying to cast doubt on any one particular person. I just, I know a lot of people never really believed in the first place. And now what they never really believed and what they never really owned and what they never really knew and what they really, really never really practiced, they now don't find a use for. And so they've just kind of moved on. And I think that's a lot of what um, this deconstruction and deconversion world, it's now giving some of those a language and a platform, social media, to express themselves. And I really would say to some people, man, I'd love to talk to you about what your conversion was and what your mm-hmm. conversion looked like. Because I think that's a I think that's a pretty big deal.
So any final thoughts on, am I crazy? Am I out to lunch? No, I don't think you're crazy. But the only, the only reason I, I will comment on that beca is because I just, last night I was going through a bunch of stories and they, uh, the stories, like every one of them seemed to comment on that, that same thing. They're like, there's so many Calvinists out there that are going to say like, oh, I never had faith in the first place. And um, they're like, they, they seem to say that, um, that like you're like I did and I was all in and to those people that I don't know maybe maybe you um are in the middle of deconstruction um maybe uh you're uh, already past it um I don't know maybe like you had your faith and and you're gone um I just wanted to give you hope there is such a thing as reconstruction, you know. Um, if you find yourself Calvinist, uh, hop on the Arminian uh, side and and free will your way back in. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it's just well, but I don't think it's just about Calvinism. Like I really don't. I, I mean, I, I think that that might be their response. But I'm telling you, like I I think that to believe that everybody to believe everybody's story just because they claim that's their story, I don't think is a very thinking person to then label everybody as not being able i think is not a thinking person i think you need to take each person on their own case but i do think it's responsible for us to be able to say hey drew like so tell me what you actually left mm -hmm. like tell me what your conversion really was and then i have just found in my own personal experience that a lot of those things in terms of what they're what they're leaving they didn't really have a good sense. I mean, I, I have this conversation with, with people on a regular basis. I had one earlier this week where people are describing what our conversion was, and I'm going, yeah, I don't know if I'd call that a conversion. Well, the lady at camp told me when I was eight that it was. Hmm. And I'm going, okay, so what happened after that? Well, nothing. And I'm like, okay, so I don't, I don't know if I want to compare these two things. Yeah. And that's where I think it's important for us to go through the time. So it's, I don't think it's about Calvinism and Arminianism as much as is it about having honest and patient yeah. and real conversations about what is being left, and then that might be the process for reconstruction. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate the context in which you're doing. I think in many ways there's a little bit of a front-lineness to actually what you're experiencing and what you're going through, um, and so I appreciate uh, kind of what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, God bless you. Thanks. Thanks.